so Alex, good to see you again. We have been talking about um, the concept of, of hope and that how hope gets in the way of us actually enjoying what's going on now. And so when we turned the video recorder on, I was about to talk about the fact that it looks to us intuitive to hope for a better future. But in fact, that is learned behavior. It is taught, it's almost shoved down our throats. Okay. Yeah. That, that the intuitiveness yeah. of a little child is, whippy, let's play with this too. Curiosity yeah. runs yeah, yeah. child's life. This is why the little girls will pull the arms off of an expensive toy doll. Hmm. The, the Aunt Susie they gave them the doll gets ticked off because the child is more curious than they are grateful for this expensive toy. Expensive toys can't be played with. Because if you play with a toy correctly, you'll break it. Mm. Which is the story of the Velveteen Rabbit. Have you ever heard of the story of the Velveteen Rabbit? No, no. <laughs> the Velveteen Rabbit was well loved. The child loved that rabbit and cuddled it at night. But he also had a plastic dinosaur. And late at night, the dinosaur and the velveteen rabbit would have a conversation. And the dinosaur would say, look at me. I've got big, shiny armor and a great big dude. And uh, you, you, you've got no fur. And the velveteen rabbit says, yes, but my fur has been loved off. Hmm. <laughs> So in that regard, that's how we play with a toy is because we keep loving it. We keep playing with it we keep, until we break it. And that curiosity is there with the child in the regard of what's this? And then the adult comes by and says, put that down. Here's a pencil. Learn your ABCs. All right. And so we're actually put to work. It depends upon what culture we're in as to what kind of work that we have. And then there's other issues like uh, when the second child is born, the four-year-old now is no longer the baby in the family. He's now mama's little helper. He's the gopher. Mm. He does not understand that big change. Why is it that mommy is taking care of the baby now when she was taking care of me and now I've got to help her take care mm -hmm. of the baby? So that whole point then is that is a transition that we make as we're growing up that may not be the best part of uh, the growing up. That kind of transition is the transition out of let's play now with no, you've got to work to get the future better. That um, you've got to plan in advance. Students yeah. are taught that all the time. I mean, it's just part of the program. It's a, it's not just daily. It's it's almost moment by moment. Pay attention. Yeah. Do what you're told to do. Do your ABCs. Do your one, two, threes. Um, most kids don't like to go to school. Why is that? 
That's because of what we're talking about. If they could have, in fact, one of the um, indoctrination processes is taking the little kids to uh, daycare or play school. And that even there, they're becoming socialized. At the youngest age, when they're put into a group, um, basically it goes like this. Uh, they have done some research on this. And let's give two examples of two different situations. One is that uh, this kid, uh, his mom works, single mom or she's not close to her relatives or whatever. So she puts her kid in daycare and that kid that she puts in daycare is with a whole bunch of other kids in similar situations mm -hmm. with one or two adults taking care of the whole crowd. And it's like herding cats, but the people who were doing the herding think that they've got to go herd those kids. <clears throat> you got to put the toys over there and hang your clothes up over there. Um, learn to stand in line, learn to be quiet. And all of these socialization things happen before we ever got started school. We, in fact, call our, uh, this in our culture, <clears throat> the socialization is actually every child, every human child that's born is born as a wild animal. We're just capable of learning. The problem is, is that we're taught to be civilized, which means sucked into this box. <clears throat> and we spend the rest of our lives hoping to get out of that box. Yeah. If, if we were shoved in when we were kids. So, and uh, one of the, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say for me, what I've seen is that one of the ways we try to get out of that box is by pushing ourselves further in the box. <laughs> Precisely. Oh, if we I don't do the see box it. really well, I'll yeah. let it out. It's almost like a spring-loaded case. You've got to yeah. push it in in order for it to come out. Or, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Many uh, old 1960s electronic push buttons were like that. You push it in, and it turns it on, and you push it again, and it turns it off. So that pushing it off, yeah. and that's how... You think that, oh, we got into this bush by pushing that button. Let me push it again to see if I can get out of the box. And here we go, keep pushing that button. Yeah, yeah. Box. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I imagine, like, as a kid, we'd, we'd like, build forts and stuff. You'd, 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 you know, stand inside the box, and it would, the, the, the you know, the, the tops of it would close down, and you would try to, like, you know, <laughs> lift up on the box, let me out, let me out. But what ends up happening is if you just lay down in the box, the box can't stay together anymore and the walls end up going down themselves because you learn to just relax and enjoy yeah. the box as it is. <laughs> That's why. That's why. What a mystery. Is, well, we're talking in metaphors about cardboard boxes. But this is actually the way that things are in the mind. Yeah. That we do yeah. have to find a way of recognizing basically that we created the box. The box only exists as um, uh, the delusion, but we bought that delusion 
from other people who lived in their own boxes teaching you to live in that box. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, we highly praise thinking out the bo- thinking outside the box, just not too far. <laughs> so really thinking outside the box is still thinking in the box <laughs> right right okay here's a really really big example of that is, is yeah. that uh, uh elon musk with tesla has been thinking outside the box about how to make or manufacture automobiles mm. right mm. and Look who don't like it. The whole German government did not want him to bring in Giga Berlin, as well as Volkswagen and Mercedes and BMW and Audi. Nobody wanted him manufacturing EVs in Europe. Mm-hmm. The European market is thirsty for these EVs. And so uh, the old guard, so they don't. Yeah, it's okay for you to do an electric car, uh, Elon Musk. We're really happy about that. But don't make too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't go too far outside the box. So this is the whole point then is, is that we really don't know where the boundaries to the boxes are because there'd be new people coming by trying to reconstruct whatever boundaries that we're breaking out of. Mm-hmm. This is part of the reason why it's so important for uh, beginning seclusion. practitioners is to get into seclusion so that we can recognize what our own boxes are that we have constructed in our own minds. I wanted to mention something to you about that. Um, I have a work at home job and my manager from time to time will ask us if we all want to come into the office. And I live five minutes away from the office. So it's uh, whereas most people live hours or, you know, 45 minutes. Um, but I usually decline. I've gone before, but I usually decline. And I was invited to for yesterday as well. Um, and he made a point. He said, you know, I feel like it would be really good for you to to get out you know, get get out of the house. And I was like, well, I still get out of the house. I go on walks. I go out with my girlfriend. I just like working from home. And he's like, no, I understand. I think we've all become a little recluse. Um, and I was like, listen, I, I derive my energy from within. I, I don't need to be in an office surrounded by people. You were listening to his words. You see, he was trying to con- convince you yes. to come in, yeah, and um, that you were listening to his his right reasons and rationales for why to come in, instead of listening to him actually talking about he wants you to come in. Right. So that's one of the ways of beginning to look at it. Then is is that. Instead of, uh, oh, there's many different ways of talking, explaining yourself, talking back, disagreeing, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, you can actually begin to agree with him in the mm. sense of, hey, I hear that you really want me to come in. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And take it from, from there. That in fact, because he wants you to come in, that should be enough for you to consider coming in. Mm. 
because he's giving you all of these reasons why he wants you to come in. And he's using the tactic for your own good, for your benefit. And just yeah, yeah. all of that saying, I don't need that. I don't need your advice on those things to where he's, he's just uh, looking for something. Yeah. And so uh, look at the fact that he's looking for something. Yeah. Because what he wants is he wants you to come in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I just, going back to that seclusion point, I find that right now um, my practice is still in a very, it's, it's precious, I would say. It's precious to me. There's, there's a sacred kind of quality uh, to having sustained the wholesome um, as reliably as I have. And I find when I'm with people and they're socializing and, and there's jokes and things like that, it can have a tendency to bring up some of those walls of the box like we were talking about. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's the reason for getting into seclusion. But when, Alex, are you going to then start to develop the skills or let us say continuing to develop the skills that you learned by being alone, by being able to go out and test that. You're already testing it some with your uh, wife or girlfriend, you're testing right. it some with the boss. Right. And so um, pretty soon you'll have the idea, hey, I'm okay wherever I'm going. I can yeah. go handle anything. Yeah, yeah. I go to the grocery store, you know, I do that. I'm I'm gonna go hang out with my girlfriend and her sisters this Friday for their birthdays. Um, mm-hmm. I see my parents. I just if I don't have to go into an office, I don't want to go into an office. I like being at home. I meditate all day while I'm making calls. I only talk to three to five people a day, so most of the time I'm just sitting here dialing and mm-hmm. just, you know, focusing on these great feelings. Um, and I, I know what you're saying. I do. I think maybe a more, and you tell me, but I was thinking more of a, a gradual, you know, kind of integrating myself into the, some of these situations. Well, I wouldn't even go for that right now, but go for the fact that your boss <laughs> is asking you for something. Okay. He's asking you to come in and. <laughs> You're saying that is he's asking for your left arm or that he's asking for uh, some long term commitment. Well, he was saying, I think it'd be a good idea if we go in once or twice a week. I was like, no, that that was not in the job description. Job description is remote, remote work from home. Right. So the point, let's find a middle path or a middle balance. Like going in just once when he asks you to, mm. Mm. rather than making it a routine or making it that's again the future. Let's do ah, it. In- I see. Okay. okay. So that so that maybe in his mind he'll start to see. Well, he comes in when I ask him to. Maybe I don't have to ask him to come in this time, the next time, because he knows that I'll come in when I ask him to. So as a generosity to me, he might just not ask me. Is what you're saying it's like training him in a way right exactly training him because and i've I've talked a a lot to Keyshawn about this 
because and you can understand uh, the situations that he is in and that I was giving him permission that, hey, this guy is called boss with a B-O-S-S in the culture. But you are your own boss. He's not your boss inside your mind. He is just yet another thing out there with the name and the label of the boss. And not only that, but the fact that he sees himself and thinks of himself as the boss is merely his delusion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That you're really the boss of your life, not him. Yeah. And that gives you a tremendous negotiating ground that Mm. most people don't have because we we are raised with this uh, from childhood as being in the one down position, being the loser. Mm-hmm. And when he, when he is saying, as the boss, he wants you to come in, he's playing that position of being bossy and whatnot, but he's trying to, to do it by maneuvering you, and instead of uh, seeing the game, you get stuck in the game of, no, he can't maneuver me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a better way of looking at it is, is that, yes, he's got a... Uh, the image of him being boss and he wants to be able to prove to himself that he is the boss he's got to be able to control you in some ways so you give him kind of that gift being generous with him by kind of once in a while showing up when he asks Hmm. that is a very smart idea domorado (laughs) i see what you're i see where you're going there (laughs) Uh and so that kind of you know, takes the takes the whole like he's my boss thing and flips it over on its head, and mm-hmm. instead I get to be, you know, kind of in control because it's like okay, well, I will reinforce his you know view of him being the boss as a gen- act of generosity, and then going into the office, um, it will, he'll be he'll see that he'll get what he wants, and I'll get what I want. Because I know that I did it by my own volition mm-hmm. and that I'm not saying that I'll go every time, but the time that he asked, I did go in. And that, you're right, that is that is distinguished from probably how other people would be. Since we do have the option, we all have the option to stay home. Mm-hmm. It's probably pretty distinguished if your boss asks you to come in and you decide to come. So mm-hmm. now... Of course, Not I wouldn't tell that, him that. that gives you kind of some private time with him so that you can manipulate him in other ways with friendship and whatnot. Right. That here, right here's right. something that's, that that it, that is known by the HR people in almost all big corporations. And that is, is that there are two kinds of incompetent employees. The kind of incompetent employee that... Um, let's say, uh, is a bit hard to control. And then there's the incompetent employee who is the boss's best friend. Mm. Now, I don't mean sucking up, because in fact, the suck-ups are seen as suck-ups. But when someone is genuinely your friend, you're not going to fire him. And yet most of the Westerners, they have the idea that my, my job 
is to do my job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And real job, the, the psychological job, let us say the informal job, is to be friends with the boss. Mm. That's mm. the real job. The real job is to uh, be friends with the boss, be generous with the boss, give the boss what the boss wants, that kind of thing. And that when you change that mentality, your whole work ethic will change. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, I was trained in the work ethic of get that job done. Yeah, yeah. Find the very best at it. Yeah, yeah. But that's not job security at all. That in fact, mm. if you are very good at the job, the first thing that's going to happen is is that you might get in, uh, promoted. And um, there's a thing called the Peter Principle. And the Peter Principle was actually a bestseller back in the very late 1960s. And the Peter Principle is that everyone who is um, striving to be good in their jobs winds up getting promoted to a level of their own incompetence. And I'll give you some examples of that. A plumber who is a good plumber is a really great plumber, and he has a whole bunch of people wanting him to come plumbing, and so he hires a couple of other plumbers. Now he's a boss, and he can't do the job. He's not a good boss. He's a good plumber. <clears throat> so that's an example, but that happens with computer people. It happens with salespeople. It happens a lot when we uh, think that the job that we're doing is the most important thing. So if we can change that around to the, uh, it's not the job, that it's the relationships that you have with the people in the jobs. That's what is the more important thing. Not yeah, getting yeah. the work done. Yeah, getting the yeah. work done and getting the product out the door is the job of the CEO not the employees. Yeah, and you know, to kind of add on to that, Domerado, one thing that I'd say there are some challenges with is um, having an interest in forming those relationships with my coworkers and uh, with my boss as well. And I'll say, I think the big reason why is because a lot of what they talk about, the content in their conversation, I really don't relate to much of it. I can see the fun of it. I can revel in the joy um, that they experience in talking about those things. And I, I can find a way to connect with them in some aspects, but in many ways, um, well, I wouldn't even say in many ways. In one very simple way, one thing that they do a lot is kind of talk shit. I don't know if you've heard this kind of expression. Frivolous. Yeah. They talk shit. They're, you know, they, they joke around with each other. Now, this was a sensitive subject for me. Well, still is a sensitive subject for me in uh, middle school, high school, elementary school, because I was bullied at times and I had friends that would make fun of me and I never knew whether or not they were my friends or they were not my friends. And this kind of seems to follow me, um, 
even with my coworkers, one of them in particular, he'll, you know, make these kinds of remarks and it's kind of like a confusion that goes on in my head. It's like, whoa, is he joking with me or is he being my friend? I really don't know. But what I've thought is to be wise in those moments is to just laugh, to just Certainly. make fun, to just Absolutely. be friends Absolutely. with him anyway. Yes. So, that if he, if the question is, is he trying to be friends? The obvious answer is always going to be yes. Let's be friendly back. You see, the other possibility is going back into uh, high school. Where you're being bullied, OK, and that you made the kind of choices and decisions then based upon your knowledge then. Mm -hmm. Now right. you have new knowledge, and so there's no reason for you to go back and to make the same old decisions and choices that right. you made with bad knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, also, um, the bullies in high school were also operating with bad knowledge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That they're going to get some value out of bullying you. Mm -hmm. That generally doesn't happen in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And if it does, then guess what? The bullies in the workplace are the ones who need friends the most. Mm -hmm. mm. Because other people are having the idea of, is he being friendly or what? <laughs> and the answer is, what? <laughs> mm. So you're going to mm. be able to take the, chan uh, the, the answer to, uh, is he being friendly or what? The answer is, friendly. Let's, let's assume it that way. And so you're also, saying we, we take it on as an assumption. We take it on as the assumption because, no, we're taking it on as an operating position, a method, an MO. Mm. Your method of operation is changing from is he a friend or what, and to have certain he is a friend. That's your method of operation. They're mm. naturally being friendly. They're naturally... Uh, uh, not being non-competitive. Hmm. Your job is to be friends with them. And that if hmm. you are friends with them, then they won't be so competitive with you. But if you get competitive back with them, that invites them to be competitive with you. That's hmm. what competition is all about. That there is an that uh competition is instinctual. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. From the position of things are scarce. So okay. what about so this this trigger, right? So I mean, to give you a, a, a case in point, basically, um, he had said, so we play the spin the wheel game at our team meetings in the mornings and whoever gets picked on the wheel, it's like Wheel of Fortune, it's random and then whoever gets picked on the wheel gets to do their pitch, their sales pitch, and do a couple rebuttals with the manager. And I like to get that practice. And one of the days we were about to be done and um, someone got picked twice by random. And I just asked Kyle, I was like, hey Kyle, is it cool if we don't do doubles today and we can move on to the next person? And he was like, okay, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just for you, Alex. And, um, you know, then uh, um, Jake, the guy I'm talking about, 
said, oh my gosh, Alex, look at you. You're just itching to practice. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he was like, sure you are. He's like, do that. Yeah, yeah okay. he's like, he's like, that's a total lie right there. You even itched your nose. And I felt, I felt so, you know, there, the emotions were right there. It was like, whoa, caught red handed, like, okay. And, um, then they let me go. They decided to let me go next. And then ever since that day, Jake says, he, ever since that day, he says, well, you know, we, we gotta, we, we gotta give Alex one rebuttal. Cause he, he's got to practice. Alex got to practice. You know, it's kind of like that. It's like, he's kind of, it, it, it occurs like he's throwing it in my face. Sure. And, he's throwing it in your face. Certainly. So, so what is wear that? that pie on your face proudly. Okay. 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 And, that, and so here's ways of handling that is you're so right. I do need the experience and I hope that you're going to let me uh, be critiqued. And then you can also say, yes, I really enjoy listening to you talk also. Now that would be a good one for you. Uh, wait, why would I say that? Cause he's not well, talking. Well, he is so jealous of you. Recognize uh, mm. that I've had to deal with that for my whole life. I, you? I rec- yes, I've, I've recognized that when I was a child. I recognized it really big time in middle school and later in high school, in university, when I was working for IBM, all kinds of things I find where people show jealousy. Hmm. I've never seen it as jealousy. I can't say I've ever seen that. Yeah. I didn't think anyone was jealous of me. Right. And people are jealous of you. Anytime that you succeed, someone's going to be jealous of that success. Hmm. It's impersonal. Right. It's not you. Yeah. It's the process of seeing someone being successful in comparison to yourself. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So whenever someone is kind of um, uh, putting you up only as a target, which is what those remarks are, then you can recognize that and then deal with it appropriately mostly by uh, congratulating them or pointing out something good about them to to help them feel better. Mm. But you're not trying to teach them the Dhamma. What you're doing is sharing your Dhamma with them. Mm. The result of your practice is, is that you can no longer need to have the benefit of the doubt. So you can give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm. It come from the position of you're already the winner. So let's help them feel like a winner too. Mm-hmm. So with the example I gave you, would you say that was him being my friend or no, that was, that was fueled by ill will. Well, I guess you could say. it was a mixture. It was neither bright nor dark. Mm. It was a mixture. Mixture, yeah. 
that that gives rise to the quality of the uh, the. Uh, have you have you heard about it? There there's a sutra number fifty seven, in the Majjhima Nikaya. The name of it is the Dog Duty Aesthetic. And what they had back in the time of in, uh, of the Buddha in India were people who were doing spiritual practices, like actually behaving as best they could, like an animal. Now the American Indians did that too. That they also had that. That's why it's actually partly called animism is when we pretend to act like a particular animal to get the qualities of that animal. And so this guy was doing the dog duty aesthetic number, and he came to the Buddha to check it out, um, the Sakyamuni, because he had heard about him. And the guy says, well, dog duty aesthetic, you're really trying to be a dog. What happens then if you're successful, you become a dog. And if you fail, at it, then you'll be in hell. So those are your two choices. Now that really struck this guy hard, that his only two choices was be successful and become a dog or be a failure at becoming a dog and roast in hell, your own hell. Mm. Then he told him about the four kinds of karma. Now, normally we think of the law as comma is only the you do good, you get good results, you do bad, you get bad results. And then they throw the kicker in no matter what. Mm. Mm. But the Buddha says that that's not the way that the law of comma works, that the law of comma really is the law of causality, the law of cause and effect. And that the longer something is away from the cause to the effect in time, is residually is at the inverse square law. In other words, if you move your hand twice the distance from the flashlight, that hand is only going to get a quarter of the light. So as you move away in time from your action, the results of your action have other actions mixed in with it to make it different. So the Buddha says that actually the third kind of comma is the most common and that is mixed comma, that is, mm-hmm. it's got both dark and bright aspects, and you can, uh, and it has both bright and dark results. Which, and when you have both bright and dark results, there's kind of well, which is which, right? The answer is both, but if we want to have the answer of which is which, that leads to confusion. Mm. And so you're actually confused about this guy. What did he mean? Because you want to have it. It's either he was. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the fact is, is that he was a mixed bag. And if you can see it as a mixed bag, then you understand it correctly as a mixed bag. And you don't have to go find was it one or the other. Because it was a mixture. So. <laughs> I really like where we're going with this because this has been like, I would say this has probably been the one of the biggest mountains, uh, you know, of that I would say holds together the identity for me. Um, so I'm really glad we're talking about this. What I could tell you right now is, is what's coming up for me is, you know, if I'm in the office with them or whatever going forward and, and you know, he might make a joke again. I can see a tendency in which already to 
make him my friend to to kind of say thank you, um, but charged with ill will. You see what I'm saying? To be like, yeah. oh, I'm I'm like trying to muscle my way through thanking you for your comment without yeah. acting like you got me. You know what I oh. mean? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So in fact, you gave him back. Your action was also mixed. Yeah. So yep. he gives you uh, an action that is mixed, dark and, and bright. And so you give him a, an answer back that's mixed with dark that's, and bright. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what you can do then is you could begin to understand that, oh, you've got a choice there. Even though he's giving a mixed, bright, and dark, you can filter off the, the dark. And just give him back something bright or innocuous. Or uh, like uh, an example of that would, well, you got me. Wow, you got me. Think about it like that, okay? Because that's what he really wanted. He wanted to get you. So, wow, you got me. <laughs> oh, he, man. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've been seeing this all backwards. Yeah. Hmm. So there's an option. Because, and the reason for that, Alex, is because you thought that you had to protect Alex. Just like you thought that you had to protect Alex with the bullies in school. Yeah. And so you can see these uh, these barbed attacks these compliments that have a harpoon on, or let us say the uh, the bait has a hook in it. Yeah. Okay, this is the yeah. mixed action that the Buddha is talking about. The things are mixed. There's bright and dark in there. But guess what? The fish can carefully eat that, knowing the hook is there, can eat that bait and swim away. He doesn't mm. have Catch the uh, catch the hook. So now, obviously, with this, I guess you could call this right action, right, right behavior, mm -hmm. right action. With this coming into play now, there still may be the feeling, right, the the triggering feeling of needing to protect myself or fear, but I can start to kind of, I guess you could say, get more intimate with that in this right action because in this right action i'm allowing myself to say hey oh it's okay i don't need to i don't need to react from this fear i can Precisely. let this fear you do sit not here have to yeah. protect yourself from it yeah right protect myself from it yeah you do not have to protect yourself it's not necessary hmm. wow man wow wow that's that's big. I, there's even a little fear in doing that. There's a little fear uh -huh. in doing that. But hey, that's that's okay. I get it. Okay. This will be really interesting. Interesting. Hmm. So if you can make friends with the boss and you can make friends with this guy and other bullies and uh, mixed bags at work, then you've got a mate. There's, you know, all you have what to you, do is What else is there? Yeah, just go be friends. Just go be friends with them. Yeah, because it's no. the it's the thing a bully is least expecting someone to be their friend, 
right? Exactly. They're least expecting that. They're not expecting that. Especially since you've already gotten an MO going with them already. You've already got a relationship going with them. And so they kind of know what to expect from you when they do that kind of stuff. So if you are awake and conscious of what's going on, you can begin to take new approaches. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Excited to try that out. Thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. So friendliness is the way to go. This is, in fact, what the the teaching of the Buddha is all about. But it seems uh, kind of complicated where, in fact, it's actually quite easy. And that is the whole teaching is Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda. So, right. so he hands you some Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda. You strip the Dukkha off and hand him back Dukkha Naroda. Right. That's that's the easy way to look at it. Or the other way is, is that that's how we've been living our own lives in the inside of our own mind is taking the good and the bad as a mixed bag. Now we can start to strip off all of that unwholesome thinking and just present ourselves with nourishment and friendship. Yeah. Once you feel well nourished and well friended, you don't need protection. Yeah. No, you don't have to protect yourself from this guy. He can't yeah. get you anyway. You're the boss here. Right. Right, 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 right. Even if he gets the in, in front of everybody else, even if he gets the very best out of you, he really takes the mickey out of you. The, the response to that would be, wow, you got me. And make a big joke out of it about how wonderful he is at trashing other human beings. <laughs> Man, Jake, you were the best trash talker I've ever met. <laughs> you really Some, got you really someone trash. get this man an award. <laughs> mm. Mm. So congratulate. And be joyful and happy. And uh, even though you say that he got you, oh, he, you got me. Really? No. He missed that. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, hey, you know, with what I just said, that was one of the things right there that I would consider something like a mixed bag charged with ill will, but it was said lightly, like, oh man, the best trash talker I've ever met. We got to get this man an award. That is kind of the same flavor of what he gave me when he said, Mm -hmm. oh man, Alex has got to get his practice, you know? Mm -hmm. So that probably still would be Duca. Right? That wouldn't be giving him back to Naroda. You can't you can take it. So all you have to do is just take the word trash out of it. Mm. Wow, you're a good talker. You really know how to point things out. Thank you. But I I can't say that without like without (laughs) without being like you idiot. I know, I know. This is why it's going to take a bit of practice. Okay. With him. Okay. Cool. So that so the next time you see him coming, recognize that this little game is going to happen again. Be on guard. Wakey, wakey. 
You can handle I got him. Yeah. So now I'll start seeing my own ill will, right? I'll start seeing that, and then I'll probably I'll just get tired of that and, and find my way out of it, basically, so that I can just give him the Duca Naroda. Mm-hmm. Just invite him into the joy that you've got. Did he, you know, he got you, but he didn't hurt you. Uh, yes, of course, because I wouldn't want to give him Duca back because that would be Duca for me. Ill will is not fun for anybody. So right. it wouldn't be, no matter how much ill will may be coming at me, it's not in my best interest to interpret it that way or to uh, dish it out that way. So that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Wow, this has been really great. I'm glad. Well, let's go ahead and finish now, and we'll leave you with this. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this has uh, quite a lot of value, is to recognize that you can be friends. And when your friend's well enough, well enough on the inside, then he can't touch you. Yeah. And so there's no reason to give him crap back, because he gave you a mixed, a mixed bag. You can strip yeah. off that. Yeah, and- yeah. I'm back with a great big grin on your face, a big smile, and a thank you. That was good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Uh, thank you so much, Arado. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. We'll see you. All right. Bye. Bye.